Good. Are you good? Are you expecting great things? Yeah, me too. God is a miracle worker. I love your testimony, Felipe. Don't ever stop telling it. I'm going to talk a little bit about the power of testimony. It's important that you know that your testimony breaks the back of the enemy over your life and over other people's lives. It's very important that you know that and that you share it because that separates us as Christians from the rest of the world and it calls out hope. It gives a beacon of hope. Our testimonies are a beacon of hope for people who don't know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. We ate lunch today. I hope you did too. It was divine. <laughs> and while we were eating lunch, we had this amazing uh, person waiting on us and um, I just kept staring at her. And I just, you know, you don't, I, can I just say this? You don't have to be profound. You don't have to be profound, be kind, be generous, be loving. Those are all kingdom. Those are all walking as children of light. People don't wanna prophesy because they say, oh, I don't have anything like, you know, the name of her dog or anything. Well, sometimes I get the name of the dog, but sometimes I just say, hey, your hair's really cute. It's not profound, but the person all of a sudden feels like, well, somebody noticed my hair. I'm watching the waitress and Debbie's watching the waitress and we keep watching the waitress. She just keeps coming and going. She's really sweet and she's really tired. She worked like, what, 13 hours the day before or something. And you can just feel how tired she is. And so time goes on and we're chatting it up and we're eating and stuff. And, but then I was like, you know what, Lord? I said, when she walked by, I said, hey, do you have neck pain, like headache? Not neck pain, do you have headaches? Because I just felt like I heard the Lord say that. So then she goes, no. Anybody ever had that happen? No. So then I just go, oh, well, sorry. She kind of looked at me and walked away. And then she comes back. She goes, uh, you know, when he asked me if I had headaches, I said, no, but actually I do. I was like, really? Wow. Uh, she goes, well, you know, I didn't used to, but then I just suddenly did. And I'm like, okay. I said, well, can I pray for you? And she goes, yeah, so she's kind of leaning like this. So I just stuck my hand up behind her neck and we just prayed. And you know, everybody was chatting, it was a big table and, and just the people on the end and Debbie and I and a couple of others, we just, we just prayed for her. It wasn't like, call down fire of God on her. We just, we just prayed, it's just simple, it was sweet. And she just kind of looked like a ray of hope, but at the same time that we got that, because we said, you know, pain go in Jesus' name, we both got this crazy heavy feeling that she had been really hurt recently, really badly stomped on. And uh, so we, we really called that out on her and she said, I feel like I'm gonna cry. And I said, oh no, don't cry. Just held her hand, you know, rubbed her hand. And we both told her how beautiful she was. And then Debbie said, I, are you in a relationship? And she said, no. And, and Debbie said, well, I, I was gonna tell you. She said, did, and then Debbie goes, did, did it just end? And the, and the woman said, yes. And Debbie said, good, because I was gonna tell you that that person wasn't good for you. See, this is what happens when you're willing to risk for God. This waitress was so touched. I could tell, and Debbie could tell, and, and anybody else on our table that was watching her, just the power of God just fall on her, that she was accepted, and she was loved, and she was important. And for one minute, she wasn't dog-tired with a headache. She felt loved by God 
She doesn't know Jesus, I know she doesn't, but she knows there's a God in heaven who would send a bunch of people to speak to her about her life. And that's how we spread the kingdom. She'll have a testimony. I believe she'll get saved. Not everybody you encounter do you have to lead to Jesus the very first time you meet them. Plant some seeds and help them to feel important so they have a testimony. Amen? Okay. I have a crazy testimony which I will share for you, with you in a minute. It changed the trajectory of our church. It has gone out around the world. It is not my doing. I didn't ask for a ministry. I just said yes. I'm sure there were 49,000 other people that the Lord said, would you like the ministry? And they said no. And so then he said, Joe Moody, you can have it. And I said, okay, I'll go. That's what I say every day. Send me, Lord. I'll go anywhere you want. Somebody just prophesied over me recently when I was somewhere else in another country, and they said, you're going to go to countries you don't even know where they are. And then some man walked up to me and said, you're going to come to Benin. And I said, where's that? <laughs> Happened in 15 minutes later. He said, in Africa, next to Nigeria. I was like, great, I'll go there. I had to look on a map. Oh, wow, there it is, right there, this little country. God will send you if you say yes, and the power of your testimony will shut the enemy up in your life and the life of other people. There's a great depiction of the power of testimony. If you have a Bible and you want to open it up, I just want to teach on this real quickly. Luke chapter 8, verses 43 through 48. You with me? All right, here we go. I'm going to read it to you. This is the woman with the issue of blood. How many people know this story? Okay, yeah, okay. Let me just read it to you. If you don't have a Bible, that's totally cool. Just listen. A woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding, and she could find no cure. Coming up behind Jesus, she touched the fringe of his robe, and immediately the bleeding stopped. Who touched me? Jesus asked. Everyone denied it, and Peter said, Master, this whole crowd is pressing up against you. But Jesus said, Someone deliberately touched me for I felt healing power go out from me. And when the woman realized that she could not stay hidden, she began to tremble and fell to her knees in front of him. The whole crowd had heard her explain why she had touched him and that she had been immediately healed. Daughter, he said to her, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. I love that story. I feel like that was my story for 14 and a half years, I spent all my money on doctors. I'm not discounting the medical profession. I love doctors. I think it's very valuable. Someone asked a question today, do you believe in medicine? Yes, it's an and both, supernatural and medicine, both and both. This woman spent all her money. She was an outcast in society. At that time, if you were bleeding, you could not join in. So she had to have been shut in what do you think drew her out of her house to say, if I only touch the hem of his garment, I'll be healed? What do you think it was? Testimony. People talking about Jesus and spreading the good news that the healer had come to town. And it must have gotten back to her. And under the penalty of being stoned to death, she comes out and says, if I only... If I only can touch him, I'll be healed. The power of testimony releases faith. If you don't share what God does for you, you are missing the opportunity to glorify him 
and to watch other people come to know him. She came out, the power went out from him, she was completely healed, and then he said, who touched me? He could have completely ignored that and let her go on. I believe with all my heart that faith appropriates what Jesus has already done. Do you hear me? Faith doesn't make God do it. It just appropriates, it draws from. She demanded something from him. She demanded power come out of him because she had faith. He's gonna do it, I know it. I love that God, Jesus, I love this moment. He honors this woman's faith, just like he honors yours. He even held up going to the synagogue leader's home, Jairus' house, to hear this public testimony of this woman with the issue of blood. Jesus would not allow this woman to be secretly healed. Why? I believe with everything in me as I read this story, read this story, meditate on the scriptures, I look at it and I say, what is this thing that that woman suffered from even more than bleeding? It had to be rejection. Rejection, societal outcast. You can't come out, everybody in the town knows you bleed, nobody wants you around. Can you imagine? And he says, come around in front of me and let me look you in the face, face to face. I'm gonna tell you, you're clean. Your faith has healed you. Go and be at peace. You know what that means? The enemy can no longer tell you you are unwanted. Doesn't matter what people have to say about you. You know that Jesus spoke to you. Jesus sets us free. And when he declares his glory in somebody's healing, the world needs to know it. Christ the healer. He is Christ in us, the hope of glory, but if we don't let the glory out through testimony, people will not know that he heals today. I was walking through an airport in Pennsylvania, and the glory of God had been incredible for many days. And I just wanted to get through security. Anybody been through American security in America? It's fun, isn't it? I just wanted to be quiet and get through there. So a bunch of our team was praying for their Uber driver, which is what we do. Some of the other ones were praying for the counter help at Delta Airlines. But Kathy and I went through, now I'm gonna go home and call it the queue, because everyone here calls it the queue, the line, at security, and nobody was really there. We were standing there, it was really early in the morning, and we're standing there, and I am next. And I have a man that comes up behind me and goes, oh no, it's you. He happened to have been at the conference. And he goes, I'm backing up away from you. I don't want to fall down. I said, <laughs> I bent over laughing. And I asked him his name and he goes, I'm serious, don't touch me. Don't, don't touch me. And Kathy and I are just cracking up at this guy. He's like, backing up, backing up. And so it, in laughing in that moment, I just felt the power of God come down. Uh, and I was like, oh no, God, I don't want to shake and look weird. They're gonna make me go to the blue room and talk to somebody, I don't want. So I'm just trying to hold myself upright, but I'm kind of like this. And then the guy goes, next. 
and I walk up. You know, you gotta go through that scanner thing, you know, and all that. So I stand there, and then I look up like this, and I catch the guy's eyes, and he goes, whoa! He goes, will you step back, please? The power of God smacked that guy right in the face because I looked up at him. It's not me. It's Jesus. Scared him to death. Huh. And he's trying to get his composure, and he's like this now, and I'm thinking, I don't feel so bad. He's shaking like that, too. <laughs> I'm laughing. I, I'm really, you know, the joy of, of God is just amazing. I'm just all, hmm, don't smile. I'm looking at him, and he goes, oh, okay. And, and God is like this. Tell him he really loves dogs. Dogs are so important to his life. Dogs have changed his life. And I'm like, Lord, I will do that after I get through the whole line. I can't do it right now because he might say something I might not get through. I really want to catch my plane. So I just said, no, I'm not going to. No, I'm not right now. I, once I get, oh, so we get through, and, and the man in the lime green jacket who doesn't want us to touch him then comes over, and Kathy and I lay our hands on me and goes out. We're like, good. So we're not far enough away from the security stand for me to be comfortable standing there with the man who's out on the bench. So we just kept walking, and then I said, Lord, I'm sorry. I know what you told me to do. Okay, so the bargaining begins. This is me. If the man turns around and comes and looks at me, I'll do it. Anyone? Okay, I'm just wanting you to know I do this all around the world, and I'm still doing this. This is just human beings. So I go, okay, I'll do it. I turn around and look, and the guy's looking right at me. Okay, I start walking, and the line's starting to fill up now. Now, this guy's got a big old honking badge right here, you know. He must be, like, the head of it all. He's the head of security at this Pennsylvania airport. This is a daring move for me. I'm just about to be weird. I walk up, and he's still got that thing in his face, you know. Totally Holy Spirit, just all over him. And he goes, I said, hey, can I just say something? He goes, okay. Look at me like that. I said, I just feel like you really, really, really love dogs and that, that dogs are, like, they changed your life. They've, they've been so important to you. And he goes, oh, my gosh. I was a canine officer for 27 years. Dogs are everything to me. How do you know that? And I said, well, um, I'm a minister. Don't you know you're a minister? You don't have to have a, it's the title God gave you as a child of God. So I just said, I'm a minister and just heard God uh, say that about you. And then it was like, it all came out. You aren't really from here and you just moved here and you came here to help your mom and you are really homesick and you, ah, la, 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 I'm like, oh, shut up. I mean, it was just, it was, and he's crying. I'm like, oh my gosh, this guy's got to go get people through the line, and now he's standing here crying. I'm going to be in so much trouble. And he's like, who are you? And I said, I'm just, I'm just a child of God. I just wanted to encourage you. It turns out he's from California, 10 miles down the road from where we live. And he moved there to help his mom. Everything God said. And from the rest of the time when we were in the airport, because all our other crazy people came through and they all prophesied and did, the guy had no chance. <laughs> I went back over there. Many of you might know Leif Hetland, who's an amazing evangelist, and he's led 2.9 million Muslims to the Lord. He 
He's an amazing man of God. And he happened to be coming through the airport. And of course, we see Leif and I go over and he goes, Joe! And then he turns around and looks at the guy and the guy's like this again. <laughs> and the guy said, I don't know who you people are, but this has been the best day. This has been the best day of my life because God sought to send some people just like you and me to talk to somebody who now has a testimony and he is a Christian. He is a Christian. Just never heard prophecy before. So my story started in 1999 and I gave birth to my only child and after a three-day non-progressive labor, they did an emergency C-section. My doctor, my obstetrician, who knew that my family, we don't dilate when we're pregnant, he knew my story. He was out of town at the death of his father. So because my son was too big to fit through the birth canal and nobody bothered to do a sonogram, my son's head, which is quite large and filled with knowledge, he's amazing, he's 18. It sat on my nerve canals for three days. And I was a triathlete before I was pregnant. I had been a runner and a weight trainer and a cyclist and a swimmer, and I was in great shape. And then I became a complete invalid. I couldn't sit or stand without excruciating pain. I'm talking about level 20 pain. If you're talking on a scale of one to 10, I could hardly breathe. They started doing surgeries, just taking out parts of my female anatomy, trying to guess at what was happening, and every single surgery made me worse. By 2004, I had seven surgeries, and I was on seven different opiate medications. I failed a clinical trial for a morphine pump. That wasn't going to help. Then they wanted to do some kind of insertion of a stimulating rod in my spine. I failed that clinical trial. They put patches on my arm, I got sick. It was just a, ne a never-ending cycle of trying to rid myself of horrible pain. And during this time, I'm thinking, God, I must have done something so bad. I must have offended you in some way. I must have done something so wrong. I, I don't understand. And I began to believe things about myself. This is for some of you in this room who have been suffering a long time. I started thinking it was not ever God's will to heal me that he couldn't trust me. And in 2004, they sent me to France because they had finally figured out I had pudendal nerve entrapment, seven places crushed on my left side and five on my right side. And because my condition was so bad, the doctors in France said they could only do one side, not both, because they said the pain would be too much for me. I went to France, ambulatory, laying down, and something went very wrong with that surgery and I bled to death on an operating table. I still, I don't care, it's three years now. I have a hard time talking about this. I was in so much pain. I was bleeding so much, and I said, God, in my mind, my, my eyes were closed, there, there is, my sisters were there, not in the operating room, but they tell me before they wheeled me away and my face was completely gray. And I said, God, I cannot do it anymore. I cannot do this pain anymore. And in about, I don't even know, a nanosecond, boom, 
I was up on the ceiling of the operating suite. I did not go to heaven, so I waited around up there, waiting for God to take me up. I don't know if heaven is up, but that's what I was thinking. Because I am just Joe Moody right here, and you're still, when you don't have a body, you're still your weird self. Okay, just in case you were thinking you were gonna be more intelligent, when you go to heaven, you won't. You will still have your same personality because it's a reflection of God. So I go up there and I'm like, waiting, waiting, wonder when we're gonna go, because this is fantastic for the first time since 1999. I had no pain. Can you imagine? I was so free. And I was just hanging out up there and then I felt him coming in. Oh, the glory of God. And I wanted to duck in half. And I realized I had no body. And there was no ducking to be had. In the spirit, my spirit, I, ah. But I felt his love come over me and I describe it like a blanket. It just covered me. And I knew I was home. I knew this was the one who created me. This is the one who always knew me. This is the one. And he said, I have seen your suffering child and I know full well your pain. You can go with me now or you can stay for the prayers of the saints have given you a choice. I had no theology for that. So I had to think, the prayers of the saints give you a choice. That's pretty weird. And I thought, I'll say something very profound before God when I meet him. Here's what I say. What? <laughs> and God repeats it. And I say it again. What? I cannot understand this. And he says, I have much work for you to do. And I think in my spirit, my mind, whatever you want to call this whole thing that's happening, I'm not going to do any more work because that involves going down there to that bloody mess of a body which I have no interest in. It was like discarding a towel. So for those of you who are really hard on your physical beings, be nice to yourself. It's just a house that houses the spirit of the living God. And one day, it will fall away and you will go to be with God in glory. So be nice to yourself. Amen? As I'm watching all of this chaos below with all of these French doctors and nurses yelling at each other and sweating and they're just jabbing these needles into my body trying to get a port so they can do another surgery to save my life, I was thinking, I'm not doing that. And all of a sudden, my son's face is right in front of me. He was so cute with blonde hair and big blue eyes, and he was right there, and it was not a video. It was not a picture. It was not a hologram. It was not any of those things that I could actually comprehend. It was my son right smack in front of me. I could have leaned forward and touched his face. And I knew in a second that that was some of the work that God had for me to do. And no guilt, no condemnation. I didn't feel any of that. But I knew if I did not come back, my son would never know Jesus because my family would be so devastated. My husband would be so wrecked. He already was wrecked. I didn't say one word. And God says this to me. 
It is as you wish, child, but you will know much pain. I'm like, whoa, wait a minute. Uh Uh-uh. I didn't sign up for that, but it was too late. It was like it was in motion. It was already happening, and I was thinking, oh, no, I can't do more pain. And in my right ear, he leaned in, and I know it's Jesus saying this to me, I will never leave you. I will be with you minute by minute. Minute by minute. And then he explained some other things to me, which I don't share. And he told me that my spirit would come back into my body and it would feel a pain. I would feel a pain that I'd never known before. And when my spirit came back to my body, it was like I got smacked by a freight train going 100 miles an hour. It was like shards of glass pummeling my whole body and then it was done. And then I was in hell again in that pain that caused me to cry out to God that I was done in the first place. And I heard him in my ear again, minute by minute, minute by minute. I won't go. I won't leave you. I won't leave you. It took three surgeries in three days to save my life. It took me a month to get home. I was eight months in bed. I went on by 2013. I'd had 13 surgeries. I had some nerve regeneration on my left side. I had the surgery on my right side in a different place. And I was able now to have a blue cushion with the middle cut out and I could perch on one cheek for a short amount of time. I'm still on unbelievable amounts of narcotics. But the church that my husband and I attended, the church we'd been in for 12 years where I laid on the floor in the back, said, would you come and work with us? We really want you here. I said, I I can't do that. And they said, we don't care what you have to do. We really want you to come. And I felt like that was the Lord. So my husband said, well, why don't you just try and see what you can do? And I went and I typed on my knees. I laid on my back. I laid on my stomach. I walked around. I did whatever I could do to avoid having more pain. And then they told me that I needed a 14th surgery. I thought, I... How much more, God? In this 14 and a half year stent, I am on my face before the Lord at 4 a.m. Not because I think I'm holy, do I tell you that? I know we are holy in Christ, but I'm not telling you that out of bragging. I'm telling you I sought the Lord at 4 a.m. because I was so desperate. I was so desperate that he would touch me to give me breath for the day. I was in so much And when they said, you will have a 14th surgery, I thought, no, I cannot do it. And God said, I am healing. Read the Gospels. Read it for today. And I began to read the Gospels again and again, seeing, wait a minute. Jesus said we would do greater things in his name. He said that. My church was cessationist, Baptist-rooted, 5,000 people. We prayed for people on lists. And if anybody tried to lay hands on anybody to pray, they would say, no, I'm on the list. I'm good super funny. In all of that, I began researching people who actually saw healing. And I read, I don't know, maybe a hundred books over about a seven-month period. I was just devoured. I was like, wait a minute. The problem's not God. The problem is me. I don't know how to pray for people. I don't know anything about my identity in Christ or my authority in Christ. 
And the Lord spoke to me and said, go to this conference. And it was a Randy Clark conference, and it was in Florida, and it was in August of 2013. And I said, I cannot go, God. I cannot fly. I'm not going to be in greater pain and do that. And he said, this one simple thing, go, you'll be blessed. And I said, well, God, can you tell me a little bit? Crickets, nothing. Don't you love when God does that? Just lays it out there and then gives you nothing else. So I call my friend Michelle, and I go, Michelle, listen, I just heard from God. And I'm waiting for her to side with me that I can't go because she doesn't want to see me in any more pain either. I said, well, God told me I have to go to this conference. It's Randy Clark. She goes, great, you're going to get healed. Michelle has a gift of faith, and it's nauseating. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm not going to get healed, Michelle. Hundreds of people have prayed for me. I'm not going to get healed. She goes, oh, yes, you are get on the plane, take a bunch of narcotics. I end up riding all the way there when the seatbelt sign is off on my knees with my elbows on the seat. Because ironically, the only place that kept me from having more of an increase of pain was when I was on my knees. That's not lost on me. I get to the conference. People are reading my mail saying, you're a healing minister. I'm like, what, what? Not a healing minister. They're saying all kinds of things to me. I get blasted by God. The power of God falls on me in ways that are insane. I get up and I can prophesy in ways I never. Things happened to me that were so crazy in the spirit, but I was not healed. And hundreds of people prayed for me all week long to the point where I said, I will not check it out anymore. Check out your body. Check out your body. I don't want to check out my body. I'm done checking out my body. Nothing is working. And all the people, you know how you go to a conference and you just attract people and then you become a little posse and you're just friends for life. Woo, it's so great. So all those people from South Africa, New Zealand, they were from everywhere. They were like, no, no, God wants to heal you and we're not leaving this conference until you get healed. And I'm like, great, you can stay here. I'm leaving at 6 a.m. tomorrow morning. My flight's leaving. I had no faith to be healed. People ask me that all the time. Randy Clark thinks it's just bizarre. At that point in time, I have had faith to be healed, sure, over the 14 and a half years, but in that moment, I didn't. I was in too much pain, and I wanted to go home. And I'm watching as people are giving their testimonies, and I'm really, really happy for them. I'm not feeling sorry for myself. And a man comes down. I'm in the very, very back row. If there could have been a further row back, I would have been in it. I'm on the floor. I'm on my knees. And I'm leaned forward on the ground like this, just watching, because one of our friends got healed she, she got arches in her feet. And I thought it was so cute, because she was like, oh, my feet are on fire. And I was like, this is so fun, because she used to be an Orthodox Catholic. <laughs> so her feet are on fire, and she's like, and I'm watching her. She always wears sandals, and I'm watching her feet go up like this. And I'm like, what's going on with your feet, Monica? She goes, oh my gosh, I just got arches in my feet. And she shows me, and now she's got an arch. And so she runs to the front to give glory to God, to share her testimony. And I want to watch her, because I think this is fantastic. So she had no grid for healing until we took her there. And I'm waiting for her to come up. And a man approaches me, and he asks me what my story is. And I don't want him to pray for me. And I'm down on my knees like this, and he's right here. And it's super uncomfortable because his belt line's right there. And I'm like, okay. So I, so I got up and I was like, uh, you know, 
it's okay. You know, a lot of people, and he goes, well, could I just pray for you? And I put my hand out, and he touches my hand. The power of God hits me like lightning, and I fall backwards. My friends are all standing over, and 15 minutes after thrashing around on the floor like this, I get up, and I am not healed. Well, that man's name is Richard, and he was on his way to the bathroom. God can use you anytime. <laughs> he goes all the way back to his seat, and the Holy Spirit says, go back. How many of you are this obedient? I would like to say I am, but sometimes I'm not. Richard comes all the way back, and I think, oh, no, here comes that white-haired man again. Urgh, don't pray for me. Don't pray for me. And he comes walking straight up to me, and he's from Texas. We are very good friends today. And he goes, hey, how are you? And I go, well, Richard, I'm the same, but it's okay. How many of you who've been sick for a long time go, it's okay. I'm good. I had made such an agreement that this is my lot in life. This is the thorn in my flesh. Lies, 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 lies. All of those lies because God is a God who heals. You are an eternal being. And in the continuum of your life of eternity, God never changes. It is his will to heal you, but we don't know when. So we are called to be the kingdom priests who pray for the sick, cast out demons, and raise the dead no matter what it looks like. Because it could be the 10th time you pray for that person and they get healed. And yes, there are heartbreaks where people don't get healed on this side of heaven. But are you the one who's supposed to decide that? Am I the one that's supposed to decide that? That's up to God. If you don't go out and pray for him, you'll never know that he wanted to heal him. He's a good, good father. What good father wants to see their child suffering? But he sees us in the realm of eternity. So yes, it's his will to heal, and I didn't know any of that at the time. I also did not know that Christians could be oppressed by demons because my church didn't teach that. And Richard said, how are you? I said, I'm the same. And he turns and looks at me with fiery blue eyes and he goes, no. I was like, hmm. And all the people back up a little bit that are with me. <laughs> and I can just feel them all. Here's Michelle, though. Michelle doesn't back up from anything. She's like, all right. I'm heal her. And he says, God healed me. He healed my wife. He healed my son. And now he's going to heal you. And it was like he blew my hair back. I was freaked out. I thought, God, isn't any, aren't any of these people going to save me from this weird man? And they were still like this. <laughs> Watching. And then he took, he got quiet, but he took my face in his hands like this. And he said, whatever you do, don't take your eyes from my eyes. Don't take your eyes from my eyes. That's what that's. <laughs> do you get it? He's from Texas. Eyes. Don't take your eyes from my eyes. I was like. So he started calling out the things I had agreed with. Rejection that God didn't want to heal me, that I was worthless. Every time he said those words, he said, you have come into agreement with these things. I want you to say, I break my agreement with the spirit of rejection. As soon as that word was trying to come out of my mouth, my head was doing this. And he would jerk my face back up again. And my head was doing this. And I was like, why is my head doing that? 
having no grid for the demonic, not possession, oppression. Because what you align your will with has authority. What you pay attention to matures in you. I paid attention to rejection. I paid attention to abandonment. I paid attention to all these lies that I was not worthy to be healed. And that grew a root in me so thick that he had to hold my face because the power of the demonic on me was so, so intense that, that demon, those demons did not want to leave. And so my face kept jerking down because the power of Jesus was so strong in his eyes, looking at me, so penetrating, and I knew it was truth. How many of you know that Jesus is the person of truth? And he works through you. And this man began to have me renounce all these things, and as I renounced them, I felt things go off me. It was like a lifting. It was the craziest thing. I still don't have a grid for the demonic on me, and he doesn't explain anything. And then he, when we're done with all that, and he was praying for things that nobody even knew, not even my own husband, because my body was just falling apart. I couldn't swallow anymore. I had to sleep propped up. I mean, on and on and on and on. He's praying all this stuff. And then he goes, all right then. Can I pray for your private parts? <laughs> I'm like, all right, Richard, you know more than my husband does right now, so I'm pretty sure you can pray for my private parts. And I'm like this, power of God, on my knees. And Michelle is about in my lap. She is continually saying, who is this guy? In this ear while I'm trying to go through deliverance. Do you think he's an angel? <laughs> Shut up, Michelle. Shut up. She's almost crawling in my lap. I mean, we have been dear friends for 23 years, so I know her so well, but I'm like, I'll be quiet, I'm trying to concentrate. So after he's asked me if he could pray for my private parts, he goes, now, Michelle, you put your hand right here, and I'm going to put one finger. This is a finger in Texas. It's a finger in California, but in Texas, it's a finger. And he puts, it, he puts one finger right here. How many of you know the power of God doesn't need even a human finger? And he says, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command this pain to go. And it does. Hallelujah. It does. And I, like, I have it lift off me because Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. And he will do what is right. When your will is in alignment with his, it makes it a whole lot easier. Amen? Amen. The spirit of trauma on people annihilates them. Trauma is a huge issue in our society, and that's what was on me after all those surgeries, near-death experience, blah, 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 blah. I had so much trauma, so much fear. Jesus did not give us a spirit of fear, but one of power, love, and a sound mind. And sometimes those things, the sound mind, is the key to somebody's healing. When I came back, to my church, the senior pastor, this dear friend of mine, he said, hey, how'd you do through that conference? And I said, dude, I need to shut the door. And he looks at me, he's like, so I shut his office door and he has curtains. He has a, a, an open windows that go all the way across and I take the curtain. 
and I shut it. And he goes, well, what happened? And I go, this, boom, with my leg. I had been dragging this leg around for four years. And he's like this. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Gets up from his desk, comes over, hugs me, sits down. Tell me, tell me, tell me, tell me, tell me. He had no grid for healing. And over the next six months, we watched as God healed and healed and healed through Michelle and me walking down the hall, listening to the Holy Spirit going, stop for that one, stop for that one, giving us words and knowledge, prophetic words. And people say, how did you get a team like you have with agape? I said, those are the people God healed. <laughs> After God touches you, there's no turning back. There's no arguing about theology. We have the Word of God as our foundation for everything. But we're not going to argue people into the kingdom. We're simply going to lay hands on and watch God heal them, and then they want to come to the kingdom. Last time I checked, that's what Jesus did. <laughs>